Hey everybody, it is almost October 14th, and you know what that means. Um, it's the day after Friday the 13th. Oh my goodness, yeah. I never thought of that. I know. But that's not really what it's about. Okay. It's about a live podcast with Election College. We are going to be live at Reclamation Brewing Company on October 14th at 6 p.m. Admission is free. And there are lots of other podcasts happening that day as well. Yeah, I can't wait to interact with a bunch of other podcasters because it's kind of a weird ilk. Yeah. And, uh, you know, speaking of ilk, uh, I'm sure there's some election college listeners who will be passing through or maybe even live in Western PA. I'd love to meet you. We'll see you on October the 14th at 6 p.m. in Butler, Pennsylvania. Check out the Facebook site for more details. Election College episode number 229. Abraham Lincoln frees the slaves, ends the Civil War, and gets assassinated. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Jason, we've been talking about Abraham Lincoln for what feels like a millennium. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just you know, episode after episode, and there are so many episodes we could do an episode on probably every year of his life, and still not run out of things to talk about. At least the parts of his life we know everything about, uh, just because he's such an interesting guy and such a beloved figure. But we're only doing you know four, and then a couple rebroadcasts of older episodes where we've talked a little more in depth. Anyway, this is the fourth of those new episodes, and we've gotten up to this point where Lincoln is now the president. The Civil War is uh, raging on, I guess you could say. And here comes the Emancipation Proclamation, something we hear a lot about, we talk a lot about, but uh, it's it really is as impactful as it seems. Yeah, and probably the biggest thing that Lincoln is known for is, well, freeing the slaves. And there's some misunderstanding about this whole concept of freeing the slaves because, well, we talked about it just a little bit at the end of or towards the end of the last episode where uh, executive powers became quite powerful <laughs> with Lincoln and he was confronted with this issue can the federal government end slavery because the constitution basically is saying this issue belongs to the states but this is made a little bit complicated because you've got these territories that are being added to the country and expansion is the primary issue that Lincoln uh, in his Illinois days as a politician that he was confronting where he was saying, no, it should not be expanded, but where it already exists. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's a federal issue. Well, is it a federal issue after Lincoln states this? it does become <laughs> an issue. So what happens is Lincoln issues the Emancipation Proclamation on September the 22nd, 1862, and this would go into effect on January the 1st, 1863. This declares that the slaves are now free in the 10 states that are not 
under union control. So if you're in a state where slavery is allowed and you didn't leave the union, this doesn't apply to you. And we kind of mentioned this before in the last episode that Lincoln uses this in a bit of a political way. Uh, Really, once slavery has been abolished, or at least declared abolished, it becomes a military objective. And the Union armies are going into these states and liberating slaves, basically making sure that the Confederates don't have them anymore. Uh, It not only becomes a matter of, okay, we're going to end slavery, it becomes a matter of if these individuals in the South don't have access to their labor, they're going to be distracted. They're going to be unable to perform uh, their going-ons the same way that they used to. When you hurt them where their money is, you really diminish their effort in the war because they have to provide for their families and things like that. So uh, it really is a strategic move as much as as it is a humanitarian move to abolish slavery. Yeah, one of the big things that Lincoln does is he begins enlisting former slaves into the military. And Lincoln is recruiting African-American troops, and they're signing up. Uh, It's kind of interesting uh, what happened. And I think this illustrates very well the attitude. So in Cincinnati... There is this group of African-Americans. It's a huge percentage of the population in Cincinnati. It's the first city for a lot of people to, well, where slavery isn't permitted. And the white men of the town, they go and fight for the Ohio regiments, right? They're out fighting, and the Union commanders are like, no, we don't want the African-American guys fighting. So Cincinnati is left without any defenders. Yeah. And the union is like, oops, we need to start recruiting some African-American men to fight. And these African-American men who were once considered not worthy to fight are now being called upon. And wouldn't you know it, they do it. And I just think this illustrates kind of the attitude, the the shift, as it were, where even in the North, it's not like they were not racist. Right. (laughs) There was that that perception that they still were lower class people. Sure. But then there's a shift that happens. And And I think it's easy for us looking back to be like, well, the North is not racist and the South is racist. Right. Well, well, okay. Uh, I get why you would think that, but it certainly wasn't the case. Yeah. And it was just the North didn't have a reason to enslave people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's kind of interesting too with Lincoln, and we'll get into this a little bit more of why he chooses Johnson to be his second vice president. Um, that was a very much a political move. Um, but in the midst of all of this, Ben, I saw this quote uh, from Frederick Douglass, and he said about Lincoln, quote, in his company, I was never reminded of my humble origin or of my unpopular color. Yeah. So he was in the midst of all of this able to unite people. Mm-hmm. Pretty incredible. 
whatever the reason was, he you know he he brought those things together, and we see that no more apparent than after Gettysburg, really. Uh, mm-hmm. So Gettysburg happens, and Lincoln is there after the Union victory. He comes in in November uh, to Gettysburg after everything had happened there, and gives the Gettysburg Address. I mean, we know it as the Gettysburg Address at the time. It was just another speech. He gave to some soldiers and some people there for uh, different memorials and things like that. It's three minutes long. Uh, He talks about the birth of the nation and where it's going and where it's at, and it becomes one of the most unifying, inspiring speeches of his career and maybe of any president's career. Uh, Really kind of puts a it's one of those high marks that we see about Lincoln. You can't talk about Lincoln without thinking about the Gettysburg Address, and you certainly can't go to Gettysburg without hearing and seeing and everything Lincoln. Uh, it's commercialized to the nth mm-hmm. degree. So, um, it, it, but it was very much one of those moments in his career where he's able to just kind of pull people together. Yeah, there's this shift that takes place because everything about the U.S. government up until this point was very much the Constitution. It was all about the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And what Lincoln does in the Gettysburg Address is goes all the way back to the Declaration of Independence, which right. to this point, yeah, it was an important thing. But to this point, it wasn't really seen as a legal uh, document sure. of any sort. And that whole statement of we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Well, all men were not being treated right. as equals. And Lincoln is pulling out things from the Declaration of Independence, yeah. which hadn't been done up until this point. Right. And we see people start to look at the origin of the country, the beginning of the country, as the Declaration of Independence, rather than the beginning, which was the Constitution. So it, it is hard. It's kind of um, a mind warp whenever you think about the fact that our country wasn't actually a country. Like we said, we're not part of your country, England, but we weren't actually our own country until almost 1790. But when we think about it, we think of 1776 because that's when the Declaration of Independence was. And it's kind of at this point where that, uh, not to say that he said that and all of a sudden everybody was like, oh, okay, I get it now. Uh, But as time went on, then, you know, that's, it's more and more of a point to, to, to look at and say, this is where we started. Yeah, and you've heard that too, uh, even with before the Civil War, it was these United States. So if you were from Virginia, you weren't going to say I'm an American. You would say I'm a Virginian or I'm from Massachusetts or and so on. But then the Civil War very much was I'm an American. Um, yeah, the state is important, but not as important as it was. So the that element of federalism that we saw so strong at the time of the revolution and with the constitution that kind of went away, especially with the Democrats who are very states' rights, you know, yeah. Jacksonian democracy and all of that. Um, federalism is back yeah. in power. And that's probably... Is it too early to say legacy? That's probably Lincoln's big political enduring legacy. But anyway. Yeah. 
it's hard to talk about Abraham Lincoln and not talk about things like the Gettysburg Address. It's also hard not to talk about his relationship with Grant, with Ulysses S. Grant. Uh, Ulysses S. Grant at the time is a general. He goes in and, you know, kicks Confederate butt several times. And Lincoln is really impressed with him. But Lincoln also is concerned that Grant might be considering going for the presidential nomination in 1964. I'm sorry, 1864. 1964 would be way forward thinking, I believe. 1864. And so Lincoln is like, well, we got to figure this out. Not only is he impressive, he might be challenging my job. So (laughs) I want to make sure. So he meets (laughs) with him and uh, finds out. Grant says, no, I don't have any political intentions. And so Lincoln's like, great, Uh, just to make sure that that is the case, we're going to go ahead and promote you to the commander of the army, the Union Army, and uh, we're going to give you the rank of lieutenant general, which nobody else since George Washington has had. So major flattery on Lincoln's part towards Grant. And, you know, maybe it was deserved and, and it's entirely reasonable to say it was deserved, but also maybe it was a little bit of political maneuvering on Lincoln's part. Yeah. Can imagine what that relationship was like with McClellan. Mm-hmm. I mean, here you got one of your main guys and he's going to say, dude, I'm going to run against you. Yeah. And it wasn't all sunshine, lollipops, rainbows for the union in the civil war. And actually with all of these changes that Lincoln was instituting. And I mean, there's a lot of, differing of opinions on how the war should be handled there was thought that lincoln would not even get the republican nomination in 1864 yes yeah, so the civil war is kind of winding down the south keeps getting its butt kicked and we see them finally at appomattox courthouse lee surrenders to grant the war is basically over. You still, of course, have people who haven't gotten the memos uh, who are out there. And there, you know, there was some bloodshed uh, up to and during that point. Uh, but the war is effectively over. And this is the time where Lincoln is up against re-election. Couldn't have come at a better or worse time for Lincoln, uh, who is the politician of all politicians. And it's kind of hard to say that as we think of politicians now. It's kind of hard to think about Lincoln, this great American hero, as a politician, mm-hmm. but he was. He was very much, again, very shrewd and able to uh, kind of play all those factions against each other and, and for each other, too. And so, you know, Lincoln is someone who's going around talking to all sorts of different politicians. Uh, he's, you know, hey, look what I've done here. Look what I've done there. I've brought these states together. I've won a war. I've freed slaves. Uh, go ahead. Try your best. I'm going to win this election. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what ends up happening is they call up a guy from the South and they being the Republican party heads and those pro union Democrats who are very much like we need to win this thing. Yeah. So they form, uh, it's kind of like a, I don't know. You don't hear too much about the National Union Party, but this is basically um, the party who's going to say, you know, we fly the American flag and, uh, you know, the patriot people, patriotic people, (laughs) they unite and they say, okay, we're going to we're going to finish the deal 
And in order to do that, we are going to select a pro-union Democrat from the South. And that's what they do with Andrew Johnson. So Johnson becomes Lincoln's running mate and Hannibal Hamlin goes off, uh, you know, back to New England and back to cook. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine being the vice president and you're just kind of done cooking? Yeah. (laughs) It's so weird too, because now we see, you know, presidents and vice presidents, when they leave office, they go off and maybe they do something political and maybe they have a little bit of, um, what's the word, involvement in the politics of the day. And, you know, we, we see Barack Obama, uh, President Obama is still in Washington and uh, maybe not intricately involved, but still active in different um, political groups and stuff like that. But like back then, when you were done, you didn't get like a big book deal. You didn't, you yeah. didn't get the Secret Service stuff all year round, and like you just went back to regular life. That's bizarre yeah. to me. I mean, after being the one of the highest in the land for four years or more, you're just all of a sudden, oh hey, you're you're Jim down the street. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're Hannibal. Yeah. yeah. So Hannibal Hamlin, and this is one of my favorite stories from American history, just because. I don't know. You've got all the pomp and circumstance of a presidential inauguration. And what happens, did we mention? Yeah, you said it, Ben. Lincoln won. Yeah. And you've got all the pomp and circumstance, but it's a rainy day in Washington. It's rainy and it's cold, kind of nasty. And the new vice president is being sworn in. Well, Andrew Johnson, he's sick. And he's been sick for quite some time. He's sick because he's just traveled um, up from Tennessee. uh, And he is hanging out in a room. I think it's the vice vice president's chambers in the Capitol building. And he's like, dude, Hannibal, I am not feeling well. (laughs) And I believe Hamlin is the guy who, when he was in the Senate, was like, we are not going to drink on the Senate floor anymore. And he was very much like no alcohol. Yeah, he was a around. bit of a teetotaler, wasn't he? I, I'm i not sure if he was totally a yeah. teetotaler. but I was thinking Hamlin was very strict on it. So, so Johnson is like, man, I got to give this speech, you know, after I get sworn in to be the new vice president. Yeah. <laughs> Can you get me some booze? Yeah. <laughs> so Hamlin's like, uh, we don't do that around here. And Johnson's like. Uh, I I need some liquor. I'm not feeling well at all. Yeah. So Johnson like downs a ton of whiskey. Because why not? Yeah. If you're not feeling well, that's what you did in 1864. Yeah. So Hamlin is helping Johnson get out of the chambers and go into the Senate uh, <laughs> chamber uh, where he's going to be sworn in. Yeah. And then give a speech (laughs) and the speech is ridiculous like he kisses the bible and just goes on yeah i actually wrote a blog about that it's somewhere on our website yeah somewhere yeah but anyway google it google lincoln's second inaugural andrew johnson or just andrew johnson drunk or something like that yeah yeah well i like you know how to google what i like to imagine happened 
Uh, actually, that's terrifying that you said you know how to Google because there are probably people who don't know how to Google. If they can find a podcast, they can Google. That's probably accurate. Uh, it's terrifying. Well, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. Uh, it's terrifying people can't Google, but... What was I saying? What I like to imagine happened is that Hannibal Hamlin is like, well, okay, so they're not letting me be vice president anymore. This guy is at my, you know, beck and call, or I'm at his beck and call. He's complaining about being sick. <laughs> so I'm just going to tell him, like, here, drink this much of this whiskey, and then I'm going to get him drunk and make, make a fool of him. Uh, that's what I like to imagine happened, just that, yeah. because that's probably what I would do if I were Hannibal Hamlin in that situation. I'd be like, well, fine, if I can't be vice president, <laughs> somebody else can, and they could be drunk when they get in. So. Yeah, is that is that valid? Like, if you're drunk when you take the oath of office, is it still valid? I was in 1864. <laughs> okay, well, I guess that settles it for the, yeah, yeah. So like, the senators are embarrassed, mm-hmm. and the rain subsides, so the rest of the inaugural activities take place outside, and Lincoln is like, dude, <laughs> don't let Johnson up on the platform yeah let's not have it and that's when lincoln gives that speech about you know malice towards none and um you know let's all get along yeah so after the second inauguration of lincoln and after the civil war has ended and after the slaves have been freed essentially we really don't see the kind of pomp and circumstance that you would imagine with a foreign war because i mean certainly there are people celebrating and there are people excited and people are coming home to their families and stuff like that but this is a bloody bloody war this is a war that destroys large parts of our country uh, north and south this is a a war that just wrecks families up and down no matter who you are you're probably affected in some way by someone who has died or been severely injured in this war. So the country pretty much has to immediately get to work. And really by that, I mean the South has to really get to work in this period of reconstruction uh, as we've come to to know that era, the reconstruction era. So, you know, Lincoln heads down to Richmond to oversee some of those things. Uh, He heads down to um, try to patch up some relationships with Southerners and you start, this is weird to me, all those senators and everything that had been kicked out of the chambers before the war are all of a sudden welcomed back in, and a bunch of people are pardoned, and it's just a bizarre, I think, turn of events where, okay, well, for four years, we well, a little more than that, for some people, we were literally killing each other, and now we're going to just work on business some more. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was only a little over a month after the inauguration that he's assassinated. And you can listen to that episode. I think it's episode 29. There's some other episodes too, that um, are worth mentioning. Uh, We talk about West Virginia becoming a state during the administration of Lincoln, which is very much an illustrative of uh, federalism and what Lincoln politically did in order to get those Senate seats filled <laughs> with Virginians. Uh, why not split up the state? Um, it's more complicated than that. We can You can go back and listen to that episode. But there's a lot of things that happen uh, that 
Lincoln did, and it affects us to this day, uh, for better or worse. So just a couple of other thoughts about um, how you can kind of pay tribute to Lincoln. I'd really like to give a plug uh, to Springfield, Illinois, where the uh, Lincoln presidential site, uh, where his house is, but then the Lincoln Library, you might be thinking, okay, in the 1870s, they decided to put a library together and it still looks like it's from the 1870s. No, this is a modern presidential library and it's impressive. So if you're ever in Springfield, Illinois, if you're ever in the Midwest, you need to make that a part of your trip. I need to make that part of a trip. I just need to go. It's amazing. Yeah. And then, of course, the Smithsonian in Washington, where you'll see his hat. And then we were just talking about that trip that he took to Richmond and knowing that there was Confederate money yeah. in his wallet when he died. Crazy. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, you wonder if he, why he had it. Did he have it because there were still people that was the only currency they were using? So he was like, I got to buy some bread or something on this trip. Or did he have it because he wanted to have it as a, me a memento? Um, obviously there's no way to ever know and, mm -hmm. uh, it's just conjecture, but it's kind of fun to think about. Yeah. I, you know, just the, what was the prevailing thought? And, you know, you hear a lot these days about the Confederacy and oh, how, how do we, uh, approach this era of history and how do we, um, what do we do with the symbols of the civil war, uh, today? And it's a lot more complicated, um, than any of us could ever imagine because we weren't living in that time and it's just tragic. It's all around tragic. So uh, another thing that's kind of tragic and we talk about Lincoln and how great of a figure he is and was and, uh, and a lot of those things are true. He did a lot of good things for whatever motives to help out uh, African-Americans and, and, to abolish slavery and things like that. But there are many African-American individuals, both in the last hundred years and today, that don't look at Lincoln in that same light. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that there are a lot of people who do not like Lincoln, who you would think would like Lincoln uh, because of maybe their ancestors or something like that. And so, you know, it's it's noted that maybe Lincoln was, I don't know about a white supremacist, but but a white supremacist. Uh, he didn't think slavery was right, but he thought still that whites were better than black people. Um, there were instances where they said that it was, he was well known to use ethnic slurs. Uh, not that this makes it right. I don't, I think everyone did, which, you know, is, is bad obviously, but uh, it, it was apparently enough to single him out um, that he did that. And so, there's still a bit of a gratitude that Lincoln helped free the slaves, but what were his motives? What were his motivations? What were his actual thoughts on the matter? Uh, those are things that are still a matter of conflict. And so, you know, we've talked all along with every president about, well, this president did all these good things, but they also owned slaves. So, like, how do, how do we reconcile that? And so we kind of have to look at that with Lincoln. Like, Lincoln helped free the slaves, and yet he still thought that maybe they should have their own country and just get out of ours. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's kind of a, a hard thing to deal with uh, while at the same time celebrating him for the good things he did. Yeah. It's very much, I, I think, the thing that 
comes to my mind is just in this era where we can uh, broadcast, you know, anybody can have a podcast, mm -hmm. anybody can have a social media account. Um, but how many of our, how many of us are actually uh, talking to people who are not necessarily exactly like us? And what are we doing uh, just in our own hearts to um, take another person's point of view and see it as maybe we disagree, maybe we agree, but accept the fact that people are not going to have the same opinion. Yeah, it's not black and white. Not everybody, uh, you know, even we ourselves have to admit that we in a hundred years, probably things that we think are going to be really strange or things we've done in six months, are, we're going to look back and be like, oh, I can't believe I thought or did that. So, uh, yeah, take it with a grain of salt. Everything you hear, positive or negative, until you've really kind of researched it and done your homework. Yeah. And it's still fun to talk about vice presidents who were totally wasted when they were inaugurated. That's true. Absolutely is. And that's the reason we will continue doing this podcast. Hey, and if you're totally wasted right now, why don't you go over to <laughs> iTunes and leave us a review? We would seriously appreciate that. And uh, so would our future and current fans who want to find out, hey, is Election College any good? Let me look at the reviews. When you buy something on Amazon, have you ever gone to Amazon and bought a product, like looked at a product and been like, man, there's no reviews here. I can't believe no one has reviewed this to tell me if it's any good. Well, that's exactly what they're thinking about you, Bob1289. Oh, you're calling them out. Yeah, Bob1289. You haven't left a review yet it's on iTunes, <laughs> so you know who you are. Go leave a review and help out people in the future who want to buy that Amazon product called Election College. Well, I think Bob1281. One, one. Nine. Yeah. Yeah. That guy, I think he just left a review. So, and I think he just tweeted us, Hey, thanks so much, Bob. And if you'd like to reach out to us, uh, go ahead. We're at Election College on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you happen to be in Western Pennsylvania this weekend, be sure to stop by Reclamation Brewing Company in beautiful Butler, PA, at around 6 p.m. You'll probably want to get there early because. I imagine the place is just going to be packed. And we are going to be there live broadcasting. That's right. And uh, it's, it's a live podcast day. So there are podcasts happening all from 12 noon till 8 p.m. You can come out and check out any of those. Admission is free. Just be sure to, you know, maybe buy a beer or something. Tip your waitresses and bartenders, etc. Yeah. Check it. If you want more details, you can check it out. On our Facebook page, we'll post the event there. And get a pretzel, because they're really good there. That's true. Thanks, everybody. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.